0: Celebration Church. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing well? Uh, Stevens Point, Appleton. Good to see everyone tonight. Welcome to our Wednesday evening Bible study. Uh, Tonight is a little different evening. If you are new to Wednesday nights, uh, or if you've been coming for a while, either way, tonight's a little different. Uh, Pastor Mark typically teaches our Wednesday night Bible study. We call it our Bible study because he walks verse by verse through books of the Bible. And he's in the New Testament right now, and he's chronologically going through the book of Acts. And, And then as One of the other books were written in the New Testament. He'll jump into that. So it's kind of a chronological walk through the New Testament. So that's what our typical Wednesday night programming is. And uh, Pastor Mark is out tonight, but he will be joining us next week, Wednesday, and we'll pick back up where we were in the New Testament. So hopefully you're able to join us for that tonight tonight. I probably won't go a full hour, and our kids' programs and our youth programs at all of our campuses wrap up at 8.45. So if we finish up early and you've got kids in those programs, I would just ask that you grab a cup of coffee, hang out, socialize, get to know someone, and that would be wonderful. What's that? 7.45. Yeah, 7.45. If you leave your kids till 8.45, there's going to be some volunteers that will never come back again. There's going to be some trouble. Um, so yeah, 745. So if you want to just hang out until then, that would be, that would be great. Uh, I love this time of year, not because I love the weather. That is not why I love this time of year. Man, this weather has been crazy, hasn't it? 12 inches or something like that of snow we had in Green Bay. I know they had a bunch in Appleton and Stevens Point. This should not be. Uh, I've got two dogs, Fletcher and Moby. Uh, Moby is brand new. He was born in the winter. All he has ever known is snow. So he's a little tiny lap dog. He's a malty all he knows is snow and so he has his whole life he thinks that life is just terrible because there's snow and it's freezing and he can barely make it through and he sinks inside of it so he's not crazy about it but he got used to it and he just thought that was life and then all of the snow melted because it was supposedly spring and the snow melted and now Moby's like Oh my goodness! I can go enjoy the grass. I can go enjoy the backyard and run around. And he thought life was great. And then it snowed again. And uh, Moby does—he refused to go outside this morning. And I don't blame him. I felt the same way. Uh, no, but I love this time of year—not because it's April Fool's Day, but because it's Easter. And it was on April Fool's Day. We thought this year for Easter, we would hide uh, those little eggs that you stuff candy inside of. We thought we would hide those all over the backyard this year, but not put anything inside. And then when the kids walked in, we would say, April Fool's Day. Not really. They would have been crying. We could have put that video on YouTube and made millions, right? We could have used that, though, as kind of like an illustration to say, just like your egg is empty and there is no candy, the tomb is empty because Jesus is alive. We could have, you know, we could have turned it into a great illustration for the children. Uh, but it was April Fool's Day. I love, I love Easter, though. There's something about that, this whole process— of starting off Ash Wednesday, walking through the season of Lent, Good Friday, uh, all the family, the celebration, realizing that Jesus still changes lives. And, uh, and there's people that are really drawn unto God during this time. It's a special thing to see, and I love being part of Celebration Church and encountering lives that are being transformed and hearing the stories of new life, and just this last week, Wednesday, we had our baptism service, and to see all these people being baptized who are encountering God is just phenomenal, and I, I love this time of year. The weight of sin being gone because of what Jesus did on the cross, that we can be made new. Easter is an amazing time, and what I wanna do tonight is kinda take a look at a little bit of that week after Jesus rose from the dead, when the tomb was empty. I wanna take a look at a resurrection story, and prior to looking at that resurrection story, I wanna take a look at what Jesus was doing just prior to being crucified, So we'll take a look at it. The first story I want to look at comes out of John chapter 14. This is um, uh, just before uh, Jesus would be crucified. He says this, he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. That the things that Jesus has been doing, you read through the gospels and you see Jesus healing the sick. You see Jesus loving on those that are apparently unlovable. You see Jesus with people like the woman at the well, and he's talking to uh, the the untouchables of that day. Uh, Jesus is doing all these incredible things, and he says the same things I've been doing. He's talking to his disciples, and he's talking to you, and he's talking to me, and he's saying, the things I've been doing, you're going to do even greater things than these. Then he talks about his death. He says, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name. And I will do it. So he talks about going to God in prayer that it's not by our power, it's not by our might, but it's by his power and it's by his strength, and that we can go to God and even greater things would be done. So Jesus has this conversation with them, letting them know that we basically, as his disciples, that the work that Jesus has been up to on the earth, we're gonna be up to those same works in our lives and even greater things. And you know, you look at us right now and we're 2,000 years removed from Jesus and that Easter moment. 2,000 years later and here we are talking about these stories recorded in the scriptures and it's still changing lives all the way on the other side of the world. Here in Green Bay and in Appleton and Stevens Point, this idea of new creation that we get to take part in it. It reads on in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So loving God looks like doing what God has called us to do. And one of the most concise little sections in scripture where Jesus gives us his commands is found in Mark chapter 12. It says one of the teachers of the law came and he heard them debating. Jesus was talking to some people. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asks them, of all the commandments Which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commands than these. This this just sums it all up, he says. Love God and love people. So the the guy replies, he said, "Well, well said, teacher, you're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings, all the sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you aren't far off from the kingdom of God. And then no one else dared ask any other questions of him that day. So Jesus basically said, hey, man, you're not far off. You're getting this. It's all wrapped up in this. Love God. Love people. Verse 16 in John, or in uh, John, jumping back, back into it, it says, so when you ask, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That word advocate, he says, to help you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, other words used for the Holy Spirit is advocate or helper. That God is saying, hey, I'm sending somebody. I'm asking you to go do the things that I've been doing. I'm asking and I'm saying you're going to do even greater things than me. And you're not going to do it all by yourself. That I'm sending somebody to help you. You're not on your own. And he begins to talk to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he said, he will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. That the Holy Spirit is here to help us carry on this mission that we're being called into. So Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. And what I've been doing, I'm asking you to do. So we've been tasked with proclaiming. The resurrected Jesus, the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord of the world. And then in that gospel message, all wrapped up into that, we've got this mandate to proclaim that Jesus is God And that he's alive and that in that we find new life right here, right now in our presence. That those old things are gone and new life begins right here, right now. And that there's new life into the future. That there is new life on into eternity forever. And that God is giving us kingdom work to do right here and right now. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. When Jesus died and resurrected, new creation came. And if you put your life and you put your trust and you put your hope in Jesus, you're part of that new creation and that we get to go out and proclaim this by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus in this section says, I'm leaving. I'm gonna be crucified. I'm sending you out. And not only are we gonna do the things he did, we'll do greater things. So the good news continues to change lives. And I just love being part of that story. And it's so obvious and so clear at this time during Easter. And it's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, you think of, uh, it's, it's not our job to go make all of this happen. The achievement has been accomplished by Jesus. So like if you think of something like a song, it's the job of the composer to write the song. It's the job of the musician to play the song that's been composed. So at Celebration Church, all of our bands at all of our campuses are all extremely talented. They don't write these songs. They are composed by other people. And the job of the musician is to play the song that was written. And us sharing the good news is like that. Jesus is the composer. He accomplished it, he achieved it. Our job is to simply play the song. Or you think of medicine. uh, medicine is something that's created and it's able to help cure diseases or it's able to curb pain or these different things and it's been created, but it's the job of the person giving the medicine not to create the medicine. It's their job just to implement the achievement that's been created to give the medicine to the sick. And that's our job as disciples to take the accomplishment that Jesus did by dying on that cross. We take that accomplishment and our job job is to give the medicine to the sick. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. So then after Easter, we just got done celebrating that on Sunday, and here we are the next day, and after Easter, Jesus begins to appear to his disciples. So it says this. This is the first resurrection story we'll talk about here tonight. It's in John chapter 20, and starting in verse 19, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week... Even that word right there, the first day of the week, that's new creation language. Uh, It's talking about on the first day. It kind of resonates back to those words in Genesis that on the first day, God created. Jesus now being alive, this is new creation has now started. And something new is taking place. So the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, man, these guys were freaked out. They just got done capturing Jesus. He just got done being put through a trial. They just beat him. Uh, They just hung him on a cross. He was crucified, and they're freaking out. They're thinking, man, are we next? Could they be coming for us next? So, man, they are hunkering down. They're hiding out. They've got the doors locked. Nobody's getting into this house, and it says the doors were locked, They're huddled away, they're hiding, they don't wanna be killed or thrown in prison and Jesus all of a sudden is standing right next to them. Pastor Mark talked about that on Sunday that all these accounts of angels or Jesus appearing, everyone's always freaked out. So Jesus has to say, peace be with you because they're freaking out that someone just all of a sudden appeared right in front of them. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side and the disciples, it says, were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Calm down, chill out, it's okay, I'm here. As the father, check this out, he goes back into that same kind of language he had prior to going to the cross. He says, as the father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Just like the father sent me to you guys, I now am sending you to the world. And you're not doing this all by yourself. Remember, he said, I'm sending another. I'm gonna send a helper. And Jesus breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. This echoes again back to Genesis where God breathes into the man and now sends Jesus to the people of Israel. And now Jesus is sending the disciples and he's sending you to the people of the world. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants you to be part of changing the world. The next story in that account of the resurrection story, it's a a separate instance. There was one guy that uh, probably should have been there, but he wasn't there. His name is Thomas, and uh, he's been kind of coined as Doubting Thomas, the Doubting Disciple. So the next resurrection story goes a few verses later in verse 24, Maybe you can resonate with that. Maybe there's times in your life where you doubt. Check this out. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless man, no way, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week goes by And the disciples later were gathered again in the house and Thomas was with them and they're hunkering down again. They've got the doors locked and Jesus once again appears to the disciples and he comes and he stands amongst them and he says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me and have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have belief. 2,000 years later, you guys haven't seen the hands. You haven't seen the side and yet you believe. Jesus says, man, blessed are you guys. You haven't even seen me and you believe. Thomas, he didn't believe. He had to see it to believe it. And that's where a lot of people are, man. I want hard evidence. I want to see it to believe it. And Thomas is filled with doubt, and that's very real, raw human nature. We want to see it to believe it. It's how we like it, and that's how Thomas was. But even in all of the doubt, Jesus still challenges Thomas. He still calls him out by name and says, hey, if you won't believe, go ahead, touch my hands, feel my side, see if I'm not Jesus. And to this day, God continues to reach into people's lives who are filled with doubt. And we go through seasons of doubt in our lives. Maybe you've gone through something that feels like a wall in your life where you just can't push past it and you start to question, is this real? Is God real? Or you've gone through a tragedy or something's going on and you're filled with doubt. God is patient, God is kind. He is full of forgiveness and God is an amazing God who loves and he's amazing at forgiving people. And he forgives Thomas in the middle of his doubt. And then the gospel of John finishes with chapter 21. In chapter 21, the disciples now a couple, some more time passes and they're kind of wondering, man, Jesus is gone and we were his disciples, we were going around helping them out, helping them feed you know, lots of people with bread and fish and watching them do these miracles. We thought we were part of this thing with Jesus and now he's gone and what are we supposed to do? And when there's a group of guys that don't know what they're supposed to do, they're probably going to go fishing. So we're gonna get a fishing story. These guys must be from Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin people, we've all got fishing stories, Right? I'm not much of a fisherman, any fishermen out there? Yeah, some fishermen, we're in Wisconsin, people like to fish. I know like zero about fishing. I've got two fishing stories in my whole life and one of them was with my buddy named Bonta. If you've got a nickname like Bonta, you should know how to fish. So Bonta is like the mighty fisherman. And, uh, and we went fishing every day during an entire summer. And I had this 1987 Volkswagen Jetta and my canoe was permanently placed on top of that Jetta. And it had the crank sunroof top, you might remember those. And uh, that, that canoe was always on there. And every night we would drive to the same lake, we would drop the canoe in the lake and Bonta was gonna teach me how to fish. So we'd go out every night and throw our lines into the water and try to catch some fish, and we're fishing. We didn't catch any fish the entire summer. I was so disappointed. And I thought, man, I'm really gonna catch the hang of this whole fishing bits, but but no fish. So one night, Uh, It's getting to be a late start. It was a Wednesday evening. We had Wednesday at our church. Wednesday night, church finishes up at 8.45 p.m., I think, or 7.45. Um, But church finishes up, and so we drive to the lake. Now it's dark. We don't have time to put the canoe in, so we just go up against the rocks, and we're sitting up against the rocks, and we're fishing up against the rocks and throwing out there. We'd been out there for maybe 45 minutes, and I throw out there my line and I start reeling it in and it feels like I caught something. But it's kinda of coming in really slow and I'm kinda of pulling it in. I'm like, I think I caught a log, you know? So I'm bringing in my log. Well, as that log gets closer, we realize it's a fish and it's the first fish either of us caught the entire summer. And the fish comes up and I tell Bonta, go down there and grab my fish. And Bonta goes down and he grabs my fish and it was a northern about this big. Well, Bonta freaks out, and he's the mighty fisherman, right? He freaks out and drops my fish. It falls off the line, and we lose my trophy fish. So we've all got fishing stories. The second fishing story I've got, I went fishing with Pastor Mark out on the lake, and now this is fishing. Fishing is where you've got people that help put your lines in the water, where you go salmon fishing on a charter. That's my kind of fishing. They chop them up for you. They do all the hard work. Here's the fish I caught. I gave the guys a picture to see if they got it. Yeah, that was the second time that I had a fishing story. Now that's a fish. Now what they told me, because I didn't realize this, is when you catch a fish, if you hold the fish closer to the camera, the fish looks a little bit bigger is what I was told. That's a big fish. Isn't that awesome? Fishing stories. So the disciples, they're gonna have a fishing story and Jesus is gonna pop up. Let's take a look at it. John chapter 21, verse one. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. So they're gonna be in the sea. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, doubting Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were all together. I'm gonna go fishing, Simon Peter says. There's nothing else to do, let's go fishing. And they all said, we'll go with you. That sounds like a good idea, let's go fishing. So they all went out and they got in the boat But that night, they caught nothing. Sounds like me and Bonta. Terrible. Uh, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. They saw this guy standing on the shore. And he called out to them. I think Jesus is making fun of them. Hey, guys, haven't caught anything yet? Well, stop scaring all the fish, Jesus. So he yells out, have you caught any fish? No, the answer, we haven't caught any fish. He said, why don't you throw your net on the other side of the boat? See if you can catch some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So they're like, man, something's going on here. So the disciples look over. Who's this guy that told us to do this? Then the one whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off. I think these guys were fishing in their underwear. <laughs> Which, by the way, I've seen in Green Bay. Uh, one time I was walking up, this may be my third fishing story. So one time I'm walking up against uh, the river trail, up against uh, the Fox River, and I'm just taking a walk. We live pretty close to there, and I'm taking a walk, and I look out, and there's a guy, I kid you not, fishing in his tidy whities and not only was he fishing in his tidy ways, the reason why I knew is he was standing in his boat. And he's got his pull out and he's casting his boat and he's got a cold beer in the other hand. You know in Wisconsin when people fish in their underwear, but they did it back here too. So he's naked. He has to wrap himself up to go see Jesus and he jumps into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals uh, there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus is cooking up some lunch. And Jesus said to them, hey, bring some of the fish you guys just caught. Come and eat some fish with me. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged his nets ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. So... uh, all good fishing stories have to tell you about how big their fish was or how many fish they caught, right? So they reached their limit. They got their 153. So the Bible gives us this great detail of how many fish they caught that night. And, uh, and that's important because, or that morning, because guys that go fishing have to tell you everything about their fishing. So, but even with so many, the net was not even torn, man. They're surprised, man, we caught so many fish. We should have torn the net. And there's 153 big fish. We got all these fish. So Jesus said, hey, come have some breakfast with me. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, he took the bread, he gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. It says, now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Uh, do you love me more than these? I don't know what he's saying than these. Is he talking about the fish, maybe? Do you love me more than this fish? Yes, Lord, I love you more than fish. You know I love you. Then Jesus said to him, this is the little interesting part, Jesus said, feed my lambs. If you love me, then go feed people. That's what Jesus says. Go feed those that I love. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know I love you. Jesus responds once again, if you love me, then feed my sheep. We see here that Jesus calls these men and he calls us into Loving him, but notice that loving God looks like loving what God loves, and God loves people. Just like that commandment that Jesus gave. He said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And you take a look at that 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 guy that the, the teacher of the law that came and said, Hey Jesus, you seem to be really smart. Tell me, what's the greatest of the commandments? And Jesus says, Love God and love people. It sounds just the same in these words that if you love God, you will love what God loves and God loves people. And we're surrounded in all of our communities in Green Bay and Stevens Point in Appleton with sheep that are lost, people that don't know God. And the work that God says that I'm giving to each and every one of you is to go love those that are lost. God will leave found things to go after the lost. And God loves lost people. These greater works that we would be connected to that Jesus was doing is going into those places that are broken. And all of us are surrounded by broken situations. You might be surrounded by a broken situation at work. Maybe it's at school, maybe it's in your home, maybe it's in your neighborhood. We are all surrounded by things that are broken, and the call that we have as followers of Jesus is to proclaim the good news to give the medicine to the sick, to say that Jesus is alive so that people could encounter forgiveness of sins, so they could be made new, so they could experience new creation. Jesus says, go feed my sheep. In fact, he says it three times. And he says it to the guy who denied him three times. He says it to a guy who's been guilty of letting Jesus down. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, man, I've let God down. Surely he's not going to ask me to do this. I'm the one that's continued to let him down and I do it over and over again. How could I be someone that can do greater works than him? God takes a guy like Peter who denies him, who saw him, who saw the miracles with his eyes, who touched the holes in his hand and the hole in his side, and he still Man, he was filled with all kinds of problems, just like the rest of us are. And God wants to use him and God wants to use you. Jesus calls to Peter, says, you've got a job to do. Go feed my sheep. And Jesus is calling out to you, saying the whole same thing. Maybe you can identify with that character in the story. Forgiveness is there for all of us. Maybe you resonate with Thomas and you're filled with doubt. God can handle the doubt. God can handle you letting him down. God is amazing at forgiveness. You think of Jesus on that moment on the cross, he's being crucified, he's dying, he's just got done being beaten, he can barely breathe, he's being tortured in the most excruciating way and in that moment, he pauses to forgive the guy that's being hung next to him, the criminal. God is amazing at forgiveness. And God is slow to anger. He's rich in mercy. All you have to do is call out to him. Peter, he responds to Jesus in verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about, what about that guy? That's, that's the guy you should ask to do it. He's basically saying, man, not me. Surely I'm not the one you're asking to go do this. <coughs> Aren't you calling the pastor to go do this? Aren't you calling on someone that's more qualified or someone that's more spiritual than me to go do this? Surely you're not calling on me. And Jesus says, no, I'm asking you. You go do this. You've got a job to do I'm calling you to follow me. I'm calling you to feed my sheep. Each and every one of you are called. You're called to go make a difference. We are being sent into the world to be like Jesus. So how can we possibly do it? (coughs) And the answer that Jesus gives is that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. The question answered in John we see being played out in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit comes and descends and the church is equipped and the church goes out and makes a difference. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. My one simple challenge to you tonight would be to go feed people, to go love on people, to love God, to love people, and to know that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that all of this is possible. Next week, Pastor Mark, he's going to pick up as we're journeying through Acts. And it's this great story about how the Holy Spirit is moving and how lives are being transformed and how it's reached all the way to us right here in Wisconsin. It's incredible. So as we close, uh, I didn't give you guys this verse, but I'll, I'll read it real quick. It's uh, John chapter 8. If anyone can look it up, otherwise I'll just read it. Uh, John 8... Verse two, says, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. You guys are familiar with this story. They said they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law in Moses commands that we need to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They're trying to trap Jesus in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down. He starts to write in the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said, let any of you who's without sin be the first one to cast the stone at her. And again, he stoops down. He begins to write in the ground. At this, those who heard it, they began to leave one at a time. One at a time they begin to leave because we're all guilty. We've all sinned and fallen short and they know it and they begin to leave. Jesus straightens up again and he asks the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Jesus was the only one left. Maybe he was the only one without sin. He was gonna stick around and stone her maybe. But he he replies differently. He said, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin the works that we've been called to is to call out to those people, not like the Pharisees that brought this woman and said, let's stone her. Our job is to go out to the broken and show them God's love and God's mercy and call them into a life of repentance to say, go and sin no more. It's what we're called into. So as we close in prayer, let me just let you know that You've got a job to do. You've got a job to proclaim the good news. You're called to go and implement the finished work of Jesus. We are called to give the medicine to the sick. We're the band that's supposed to be playing the music that's been composed. We're called to push back on dark places. We are called to feed the hungry. We're called to lift up those that are mourning. We're called to challenge those things that are wrong in our world. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to forgive. We're called to walk out forgiveness so people can encounter that. We're called to reach out to people that are filled with doubt. We're called to reach out to people that let us down. We are called to do the things that Jesus was doing, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now, and uh, I just pray for us at Celebration Church. I pray that we would be challenged, God, just like you, Jesus, challenged the disciples over and over again with the idea of loving you. The idea with loving other people. The idea of not just being fishers, but being fishers of men. God, that you've called us to do incredible things, and I pray that we would step into it. Lord, I pray that we would walk by the power of your Holy Spirit to make a difference in the world. And I pray the same prayer that Paul prayed over the church in Ephesians when he said, I keep asking God, Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that you would give our church, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would know you better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparably great power for those of us that believe. That same power is the same mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. God, I pray that we would understand the power that you offer us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless. Thanks for joining us at all of our campuses. Our kids will be done at 7.45, and Pastor Mark will be back next Wednesday night. Thanks.